0: When well, you need to know what's happening, it's it's, it's it's time to get In the Huddle with Carl Dukes and Brian Baldinger. Welcome back to another episode of In the Huddle. Look who it is! Carl Dukes, put him up! Brian Baldinger here with you guys. Baldy. always good to have you on. I'm excited about the slate of games this weekend, but I want mm-hmm. to start today with the Eagles. A lot of people are talking about the Eagles possibly running the table eight weeks in, and you start looking at their schedule, maybe projecting a little bit, that's a dub. That's a dub. Tell me what you think about both sides of the ball, because do they have what it takes potentially to be perfect the rest of the way?
1: Well, I don't, you know, I mean, I, they do. They, they they can run the table. I don't think that's like a mindset. Like it's almost better if you, if you just take the pressure off, refocus after a loss. I don't know where it might come from Dallas, you know, around the holiday season, maybe the giants, you know, if they're resting players at the end of the season, all that kind of stuff, they want to be the number one seed, Carl. I mean, there's no question about it. Howie Howie Roseman, you know, five years ago said that that was the key to their Super Bowl run was getting those two playoff games at home, Atlanta, Minnesota, before they went to the Super Bowl. But, you know, if you look at the most important statistic in wins and losses, the turnover ratio, Carl, nobody's close to the Eagles. Mm. I mean, after eight weeks, they're eight better than the next closest team. Like, they have turned the ball over two times with no fumbles in the first seven weeks, they've taken away 16 times. They lead the league in takeaways. They've given up the fewest amount of times. I mean, they're plus 14 right now, Carl. That Now that's, that's part of it. But, you know, in a league where there's very few complete teams, as we hit the midpoint here, they're the most complete team. I mean, whatever you want them to do, you want them to defend the deep ball, nobody's better. Uh, maybe Buffalo is in there. You know, if you want to get after the quarterback, they're really good. If you want to run the ball, They could do it. If you want a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over, but yet is aggressive with the ball as we saw last week against Pittsburgh, um, you know, three touchdown passes to A.J. Brown in the first 24 minutes of the game, Carl. Like, nobody really can challenge them as as the most complete team. Now, there's other teams we'll talk about today that, you know, that could do that if they were matched up with them. But right now, uh, they're they're just really well put together and they're really well coached. They just don't beat themselves. You can't get them to turn a ball over, Carl. You can't force them into it. Teams have tried and they just don't do it. And so when you don't beat yourself, but yet you're a very complete team, I mean that's
0: that's the that's that's what it takes to run the table. Baldy, let me ask you about Nick Sirianni. He's not doing anything to screw this up. And I think he deserves credit offensively for what they're doing with with Jalen Hurts, right? And I don't know if he's getting the credit Hell, I don't even know if he wants it at this point. But I I look at this team, and I say a lot of cases like this. I'm looking at their personnel, and you said it. Roseman's done a great job. They've set themselves up long-term even, I think, with the youth they've got, with the Mm -hmm. veterans and and whatnot. But Sirianni is a guy that you go, all right, is he going to screw this up? And he's not done that yet. I've not seen signs of that. And I think that's even a bigger positive for the Eagles.
1: You know, you're, you're, you're spot on here, Carl. And, you know, the one thing about Nick, you know, his, his father was a coach. His brother's a coach. Like, you know, he's, he's just a coach. You know, that's what he's been. He's been a gym teacher his whole life. <laughs> so he's very comfortable in, in that role. <clears throat> However, you do see little subtle wrinkles week in, week out to the game plan. That basically says two things. They know what defense you're going to be in. And we've got a play and we've got some little variations to a play. They're going to take advantage of that defense you're in. It shows up whether it's in short yard situations, whether it's a third touchdown to A.J. Brown last week where, you know, it's a fake bubble screen and Pittsburgh reacts to it. And then they run right by them. I mean, all those things kind of show up. And it, it, it's, like, it, it's, it's game planning within what you have to make everything look like it's something else and then it's something not that not what it appears to be. So it, there there's just subtle things. Even in the pass rush last week, they came out with a five man defensive front, ran a twist stunt, you know, got Pittsburgh all twisted up, you know, ended up in a sack. So, you know, and then they have experience everywhere, Carl. And so you don't have to teach these guys the game. James Bradbury who brought in knows the game. Kazir White is in his fourth year in this league. Like all the guys they brought in, it's not like they're teaching a rookie how to play the game and they got to live with rookie mistakes. They, they don't have those issues on this team.
0: Nobody breaks it down better than Baldy. It's in the huddle, guys. Subscribe, like us, tell your friends about us. We put new episodes out every Tuesday and Thursday. Jason LaCanfora joins us as well as we go inside the stories of the NFL. All right, let's talk about Tampa Bay. They take on the Rams. Tampa's 3-5, and Rams 3-4, and okay? Is this the get-right spot for Brady and company, or is this a turnaround point for the Rams? Because I'm not sure what's happening with both of these teams, Baldy. We've talked about it, whether it's the Brady off-the-field stuff with the divorce or whether it's the O-line not protecting with the Rams and, and not protecting golf. They both are flawed right now, but this is a spot that they both desperately need to get right.
1: Well, if you talk about flaws, Carl, I mean, these are the 31st and 32nd team in their ability to run the football. Like neither team. I mean, Tampa's the worst. The Rams are the second worst. And it, it goes directly to the offensive line. And so, you know, like back in the day when Brady was with the Patriots and they would lose a game or, you know, they always re- they always reset themselves in the run game. They got went back to I formation, mm-hmm. knocked guys off the ball. Work on their double teams, pad level, like they knew how to fix it. Like, I don't believe Tampa knows how to fix this. Yeah, and and they just don't look like a well-coached team right now. I mean, they break down defensively. You, we, we know the names of the of the guys in the jerseys on Tampa. They've won Super Bowls, they've been in the playoffs here, but they don't look like the same team. And now they they have injuries like everybody else, and, and maybe that's a part of it. But they look to me, the Rams although they, they don't run the ball well at all and it's a flaw and it showed up last week against the 49ers, um, they look like a better coach team to me. Now, you know, you can say, okay, large Jackson is going to make a second NFL start, but the Bucs don't rush the passer very well and they might be without Cooper Cup tonight. I don't know yet uh, what the severity of the injury is. I don't know if anybody knows and that's a big loss, but Van Jefferson, Allen Robinson, I feel like I feel like McVay has a chance to write the ship better than what Tampa is putting out there. Yeah, Brady can still throw the ball. It's, it's not Brady not being able to throw it or falling off the map. They just are so one-dimensional. Like, it's hard not to defend them. Like, okay, you got Evans, you got Godwin, and what else? No tight end presence, no ability to block the edge, like they, no ability to run the ball. So, to me, I think the Rams have the better chance, even though it's on the road on a short week, I believe the Rams have a better chance of changing things up and and getting to 500 and maybe making a second-half run if they can get some guys healthy up front.
0: Let me ask you about about Todd Bowles. When you are a defensive-minded head coach, okay, and then you take over as the head coach and you're still having the input on the defensive side of the ball, sometimes, Baldy, you know this, it can be overwhelming, right? Mm Is that what you sense with Tampa? Because the thought is, hey, Bowles, you can fix this. You know what's going on. And I'm not sure if it's just there's so much happening with him as a head coach that you've overextended yourself or they're just not that good.
1: Yeah, I don't want to put this all on Todd, although it does fall on Todd because the breakdown, starting with the Pittsburgh loss in Pittsburgh, I mean, that that was like eye-opening to me you know, when they don't cover Najee Harris out of the backfield, you know, just the, you know, the, the, the doing this stuff on the field. You no, know, I thought, no, I thought you had, no, I thought like, I mean, the play's not over yet and they're already like looking at each other about you, you get the call. Like they're not communicating, Carl. And so like, that's, that's alarming. I, you know, whether Todd was a defense coordinator or is the head coach now um, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Now the one thing about being a defensive head coach is you tend to, want to run the ball more, especially on first down. You kind of want to control the game from that standpoint, yep. rest your defense, but that's not what Bruce Arians did. Bruce Arians is like first down, we're throwing it. We're taking our shots down the field. And if we got to take two more shots to get the first down to keep moving, we will, but we're going to take our shots. And I feel like I don't have the stats in front of me, Carl, but I feel like just watching them. They run the ball a lot more on first down. You're like, are you going to run the ball into a brick wall? You know, um, and and then go second and 10 or second and nine. That's It kind of feels like those are the situations they're in a whole bunch. And then, you know, even last week, like, you know, Brady, you know, he had had probably two or three interceptions that were dropped. Now, every quarterback gets those, and you kind of just dismiss it in the whole, you know, atmosphere of stats. But it it was kind of alarming that, you know, like if the other team could catch, um, Brady might not have had, you know, the same statistics of no interceptions that he
0: had. It's crazy. We'll see what happens. It's in the huddle. Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes with you guys. We do it every week. Tuesday, Thursdays, new episodes. Let's shift gears. Chargers coming into Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Baldy, the first place Falcons. And the Chargers are banged up. I don't know if uh, the Falcons get CP back Cordero Patterson. It sounds like it. Talked to Coach Arthur Smith yesterday. He said, yeah, it looks like he's going to play. We'll see. They don't really want to jump the gun here. But I'm looking at the Chargers, and they are banged up all across the board. Herbert necessarily hasn't played as well as I thought he might to this point. And I've even asked you about this with Brandon Staley. Is he holding him back? What's going on with that offense? All right. Why haven't the Chargers taken that next step forward that we thought they would before the season started?
1: Well, I mean, they're, they're another team, you know, that just they, they have like a, a real inability to run the ball. Austin Eckler has one good game against Cleveland this year. But, you know, they're banged up up front, you know, the center – Corey Lindsey's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, Rashawn Slater, who was a lockdown left tackle, done for the year. They've had issues up front. Zion Johnson, the rookie right guard, has struggled at times this year. Struggled with like all kinds of penalties. A lot of penalties offensively, putting them in a hole. Their their rescue, their their safety valve is is Justin Herbert. Like he he's their he's their max protection. He's a hard guy to sack. Carl, um, he keeps plays alive really well, but. They're not getting the ball down the field. Mike Williams is out. Keenan has really been out since the opening game of the season. Um, They don't have tight ends that can block. So, like, and then, you know, defensively, they brought in all this beef to try to shore up the middle of their defense. Morgan Fox, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, all these guys. Nobody gives up more long runs, 50 yards or more than the Chargers. Mm. I mean, they constantly get blistered. I still see Damian Pierce going for 75 against them. So, they're they're a flawed team, and I think they're going to struggle again. I know they're favored, but I like the Falcons in this game. I like the way the Falcons play. Now, look, last week how DJ Moore got behind them. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know I think Dean Malone's already been shipped out of town. You know, uh, yeah. you know he was in and on that play. Um, you know, and they missed the extra point because of a penalty. I, you know, sometimes those things happen, and you'll take the win to get to five hundred. But I just like the way they compete, Carl. Like I, I like Daquan Graham. I, I like these young guys on this team. Um, you know, I, I like the way their ability, even without Cordero, to continue to emphasize the run, to run the ball with Algier, with Caleb Huntley. Uh, if they get Cordero back, I think it's a bonus. The the charges have shown that they struggle against teams that really want to run it. So uh I, I like I like the way the like you know, people wanna constantly get get past. Uh, Mariota like look he's he's doing what he's asked to do right now he's keeping he's keeping him on schedule play playing overtime last week for 30 yards it looked like he was running for the Heisman all over again with that play um yeah he doesn't have to be perfect with Kyle Pitts and with Drake London and the range and just their size it shows up uh I, I like I like the Falcons to get past 500 this week
0: yeah I, I'm with you on this and and The Mariota conversation is is interesting because, like, for example, you look at the numbers last week, Baldy, 20 for 28, three touchdowns. He had a pick early Mm -hmm. and a pick late. Mm -hmm. The pick late was in overtime. It didn't come back to bite you. But, you know, you see those and you go, oh, he's making mistakes. He's blowing the game. The pick early was like a punt. And I was trying to explain that to to a lot of people. And they're like, oh, how, how can you say that? It's the first series of the game. You took your shot. You didn't get it, you know? Halftime, it's 14 10. That didn't come back to hurt you. But I understand the reservations about how this is happening for them and how they're winning. But here's what I know, and you know it too defense travels, run game travels, right? And if you're able to get stops and you're able to run the football in this league, you're going to win a lot of games. And so we'll see. The Chargers, right now, limping into this game on Sunday against the Falcons. And uh, I'm with you, Baldy. Let's talk about the Titans Chiefs because I was shocked to see the Titans that they're five and two last week. We saw Malik Willis. He didn't do a whole lot. Okay. But defense run game, right? Derrick Henry and the defense. And, you know, I'm looking at this team and I'm going, this formula has kind of been there for the Titans and here come the chiefs. And now Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's, he's got these guys that he's just, he's finding all over the field. They don't miss Tyreek Hill at all. Do they?
1: Well, you said it about the Titans. It was bingo, Carl. Like you, like they've got a formula. Like this is how Mike Vrabel wants to play. They don't have Patch Mahomes' fleet of receivers. You know, that they don't have that luxury. They played without Ryan Tannehill. They put Malik Willis in there last week, and they basically said, "Look, hand the ball off to twenty-two. Give it to the king. We'll, we'll be fine." Defense, and you know they went there to Houston, and I'm telling you, Carl, like there was very few teams in this league that can physically do what the Titans do defensively. There's very few players like Jeffrey Simmons, Tyre Tartt, um, Danico Autry. Like these guys take you in a phone booth and they just beat the hell out of Like it's their formula. And they just choke you. Like they don't let you breathe. And, you know, last year they, you know, they went to Arrowhead or they, they I guess they played in Tennessee. That That was the worst game that the Chiefs played all year last year. They lost 27 to three. And Mahomes didn't have a fighting chance. So I know Harold Andrews not there this year, but they've got other guys, you know, that could get there. So this is a tough spot for the Chiefs because of the style
0: mm. that the
1: Tennessee Titans play. We we saw it in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Now the Chiefs came back and won, but for a good chunk of that game, Tennessee took it to them. So this is, to me, this is the premier matchup of the whole week because you got a hot, t- because in the AFC right now, okay, who can compete with Buffalo? You know, the Chiefs, yes, they can. They lost to them, but they can They can compete with them. Can the Tennessee Titans, um, you know, take on the Buffalo Bills if you get to January? Because they're going to win the division. Their style of play, even without throwing the football, can really give teams problems. Like, I, I'm anxious to see. It's the regular season. They, they might win this game. Can you win the postseason playing the style? Obviously, they went to uh, Cincinnati, and they couldn't do it. Or Cincinnati, you know, came there and whatever in the first round of the playoffs. So I just think this is the this is the ultimate matchup of a team that loves to throw it versus a team that loves to run it. It's just a complete contrast in styles. And so, and one team that has all those receivers that you talk about, and you know Tennessee's okay in the secondary, but they they can make things difficult for your quarterback.
0: Baldy, I'm curious to know, do you think they have the best offensive line just from what you've seen around the league? And I say that because Derrick Henry makes things look so much different, right? When when you have a guy that can break that initial contact of that tackler and then pick him an additional five yards, and then here comes help, right? You're swarming the ball, and then he still gets eight yards on the carry. You kind of go, wow, this offensive line is great. When you have a great back like that, it makes the offensive line look a lot better, but I don't want to discredit what those guys are doing up front. Is that one of the better offensive lines in the league, or is it more about Henry and what we just talked about?
1: I think they're really good for what they ask them to do. I don't think they're an elite offensive line. I'm not knocking Ben Jones or Nate Davis or the guys up front Um, because they don't have a bunch of number one draft picks up there right now. They got, you know, Petit Ferrer at Ohio state who was mid round pick. I mean, you know, but they play really well together, and they know – they don't do a lot. I mean, they're tight end based. They're fullback based. The same thing you've seeing in Atlanta. Like, this is how they do it. And then they've got the king. And, you know, the more he gets it, the better he gets. Yeah. You know, he, he just broke the record for most 200-yard rushing games in a season uh, already. You know, and so once he gets going, like, their, their chunk plays come out of the run game. You know, and so, and this Dontrell Hilliard is a really good change of pace back. I mean, he had 90 yards last week, Carl. So it's not just the King, like he, you, you can't give it to him every down, but like last week they ran it 45 times. They didn't ask Malik Willis to do a lot. So, you know, they have that, if they can stay on schedule, meaning, you know, you don't get the holding calls, you don't get the negative plays and you allow them just to do this, they'll run it on third and five more than anybody else in this league that. And if it's fourth and two, they'll run it. So they have a formula, and it's exactly the way Vrabel wants to to play. And he he said it in the post game press or the post game locker room speech. He said the difference between us and everybody else in this league is Derrick Henry, and it, it, it truly is like you. People thought, okay, you know, the injury last year is he slowing down? Yeah, like he's just gaining steam. Like you know, the the locomotive have has left the depot, and he's just gaining speed right now.
0: In the huddle, that is what this show is. That is what this podcast is. And we go inside the NFL. Brian Baldinger, Carl Dutch with you. Jason Lock on four. Tuesdays, Thursdays, again, subscribe. All right, this is going to sound crazy. But are the Seahawks a contender? An overachieving team? Or are they a Super Bowl contender? Oh, they're,
1: they're a contending team. I don't know if they're Super Bowl ready yet. But there is a level of consistency to this football team that every coach, no matter what your style or system is, craves. Like, you watch them offensively, Carl. They're really good. They're really good. And this Marquise Goodwin has added a little spice. We always knew Marquise Goodwin, Olympic, you know, track star, yeah. that he could fly. But he's healthy. And so now you get Lockett, you get Goodwin, and then you get DK Metcalf. And then the key is they have three tight ends, in Disley, Parkinson, and Fant. They all can block, they all can catch, they all can catch and run. So then you say, okay, well, what is Geno Smith? Well, he leads the league in completion percentages. And it's not dink and dunk, bubble screens, check downs. You know, that's not it. They take their shots down the field. We saw it last week when Lockett dropped a touchdown pass.
0: Oh, right in his you know, hands.
1: Right, and it's something that he never does. But five plays later, they came right back to him, a double move on the outside, touchdown. They're really good offensively, Carl, really good and this running back Kenneth Walker is exactly what they need. Um now they've got, you know, DJ Dallas, he got a couple guys that can spell him. Um you know with the loss of uh you know other running backs, but he's he's exactly what they need. He he's got ability to cut to run through uh contact, um to find the end zone. He's got five rushing touchdowns, Carl, in the last four weeks. So, and then defensively, they're not they're not great, but they got a lot of young guys. You know, Tariq Woolen is a rising star. Kobe Bryant can play the slot. Um, uh, Bofe, Mafe is, um, you know, our up-and-coming guy, Uchenin Nooso, uh, can come off the edge. They're getting better. They found a little pass rush that they didn't have the last four years. And um, so they're getting better on that side of the ball. And the fact of their style of play offensively, where they can really ball control it, and you could kind of rest your defense, not hide them, but maybe rest them, keep them off the field, and shorten the number of possessions. Hmm. You know, last week, you know, they kept the opposition eight possessions. And so you better maximize that when you play this team. They're they're playoff contender for sure. Uh, they still have to play the 49ers again. But they are a really good football team right now.
0: Baldy, here's the irony about all of this. Russ wanted to cook yeah. <laughs> and Gino's cooking. Yeah. I mean, the craziness is when he was there, he wanted to throw it more and I- I'm watching this offense. If Russ was doing the things that I'm seeing Gino do with the completion percentage you're talking about, right. Taking your shots down the field. I don't know. I- I'm looking at this and I'm going, what, isn't it ironic that he leaves and Gino's cooking and they're winning and they're allowing him to do all the things that Russ allegedly wanted to do there. And then he's in Denver, and they're struggling. Now, they did win on the road in, in uh, London last weekend. But the fact is, it's completely different. And I just find that so ironic that Gino steps in, and I'm going, this is what Russ wanted to do. Yeah, well, maybe
1: Russell, you know, um, a couple things came out of the locker room this week. Tyler Lockett said, you know, it's amazing what you can do when you put all your egos aside. And maybe after 10 years, I'm not taking a shot at Russell Wilson here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Russell thought it was a lot more about him than about the team, which there was a stretch there, Carl, when the Seattle Seahawks, four straight years in a row, gave up the fewest points in the NFL. And there was an emphasis on the run game. And Russell was a part of that. Um, And maybe Pete Carroll you know, had the secret sauce all along about how to play football and win games in the NFL. You know, uh, Pete looks completely rejuvenated. They have the best rookie class in the NFL. Yeah. Um, These kids really, you know, are good players that want to be great. The offensive line looks to be fixed with these two rookie tackles. Um, You know, they, and, and then, you know, tight end based, like it's a good, it's a good thing. And, who cares if you throw it 45 times, you know, let's, let's throw it 30, let's throw it 28 times, but let's maximize the throws, you know, and I didn't know that DK was going to be able to come back healthy after being carted off the week before, um, you know, against the chargers, but he sure looked, he looked fine to me uh, last week. So, you know, he's, he's, he's just one of those freaks out there that, you know, um, he he could do it all. So, you know, look, Gino's doing it. And I don't, anybody thinks this thing is a fluke. They're not watching Geno Smith. I agree. Like he like he took like he can look down the gun barrel, take the shots, deliver an accurate throw. He can get out of harm's way when he has to and extend plays. Um
0: this is uh this is a really good football team. He uh he's got the best quote of the season. They wrote me off, but I didn't write back. I mean, yeah. that, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> You're right, Carl. That, <laughs> you know, that was a great line by Gino, and credit I, to him. I'll because say it, it's hard, it's hard
1: to just sit there. And, and still wait. believe in yourself. Yes. And not get a shot for so long. You know, and that's a credit to, to Geno Smith. What what what's he made of? And anybody that wrote him off with the Jets and all this kind of stuff, and a system quarterback of West Virginia, you know, he's he's really he's really waited his turn. And uh and I think the fact that there was a quarterback competition with Drew Locke, I I I believe in quarterback competitions. I think it makes both quarterbacks Better. It makes yes. them compete every day in the offseason in training camp. And I think I think
0: Gino benefited by that. Well, I, I'm, with, I'm with you, Baldy. I mean, you should have a little bit of fear for your job. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, honestly, I if you don't. Yep. All right. Then you kind of oh, I know I got this thing. And, and you just play different. They're, they're, I don't care what anybody says. I've seen it over and over and over. You're right. you You got to have a little bit of fear for your job. Even if you're the better guy, even if you're the better athlete, even if you're the better quarterback. Let me say this about Russell Wilson, and then we'll move on. It's Brian Baldinger, guys. Carl Dukes, put him up in the huddle. I heard Marshawn Lynch on a podcast with Richard Sherman. I don't know if this is true, okay? Uh, Again, I can't confirm nor deny because I wasn't in that locker room. I heard it. You heard it. And for those of you who didn't hear it, Richard Sherman was talking about the play of Russell Wilson, and Marshawn Lynch says, I want to call my boy. And Ru- and Sherman responds, you know, basically, well, you can call him, but, you know, you might have to go through his people. And the insinuation was, maybe you couldn't contact Russell directly. And I'm sitting there thinking, you're the quarterback of the team. And again, I can't confirm this, but who the hell shouldn't have your phone number on the football team? Everybody should be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, Russ, what's going on? Or, hey, I need help. Or can you help me with it? Whatever it might be. And the insinuation was that Marshawn Lynch, who's one of the realest guys out there, was like, I'm not going to call because I don't want to have to deal with that. And I found that really interesting. And then to your point about Tyler Lockett this weekend saying that no names attached, just a statement. It really makes you think about what was going on, Baldy. All right. I know you want to go ahead. You want to continue? I mean, are you the quarterback or the CEO? (laughs) I'm I'm with you. I mean, the quarterback
1: has to be. He's got to just be in touch, you know, with everybody. And really, it all goes through the quarterback in his business. And so the more real you are, uh, I live in Philly. I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan because of just how real he is. (laughs) He is. He is. And and, and he's the same guy every day. But he is the leader of that team. And it's because of his ability to communicate, all right? And everybody, you know, everybody goes through Jalen. Everybody believes in Jalen the whole organization. And I'm not here to take shots at Russell. Russell's had a great run in this league, but it is alarming to hear some of this stuff.
0: All right. Let's talk about Ravens saints. And then I got to ask you about the upper echelon teams before we get out of here. Ravens five and three. Listen, I love Lamar. Um, I'm having this argument this week with a few people. The guy is 40 and 14 in the regular (laughs) season. Okay. He just freaking wins. That's what he does. Now, the Saints, they don't have a quarterback, in my opinion. Jameis was there. Uh, you know, uh, they've tried various guys. Andy is there now. Yeah. yeah, I just they don't have a quarterback. But the Saints are coming off of a shutout win against the Raiders, which blew my mind. I don't know how the Raiders don't even score in that game. And I'm sitting here and I'm going, all right, Roquan Smith traded to the Ravens. So let's start there, Baldy. How does he help that defense for the Ravens taking on the Saints this weekend? Well, I, you know, look,
1: Patrick Queen was drafted to be their middle linebacker. And I'm not saying he struggled. He's got great speed. But Roquan is a proven middle linebacker. He's a proven Mike. You can blitz him. He can cover. Mm-hmm. He's got interceptions. He's got fumbles. He's a playmaker. The thing about Roquan to me is when your middle linebacker is fast, it makes your whole defense look fast, Carl. It just does. And he knows how to find the football. The Ravens are loading up, and they should because they they are riding the ship right in front of us. But they've got a really difficult matchup this week because the Saints, whether it's Andy Dalton, and he'll be the quarterback this week, when you watched him last week against the Raiders, that looked like the Saints to me for the first time. Um, Josh Jacobs came in averaging 150 yards a game over the last three games, and he had 50 yards. Like, they shut the Raiders down. Devontae Adams had a catch for three yards. Um, Like, they shut him down. And for the first time all year, and, you know, they're buried down there in the standings. But you say, the Saints could come out of this thing because Mm. of the talent that they have. When when Kamara's healthy, he's really, he's just so unique. He caught, I don't know, 10 passes for 100 yards, a couple touchdowns last week. Like, he is one of the great players in this league. And if you combine him with the lave and the stuff that they have and the way the offense line is playing, you're like, they could give people problems. And that's a difficult building to play in. The Ravens are gonna are gonna be challenged by a team that might just start stacking wins, Carl. Like it might start, you know, you never know when it's gonna start, right? Right. That that win last week against the Raiders, um, that might
0: start a turnaround for them. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, Baldy. All right. Eagles, Bills, Chiefs, Cowboys. Those are my upper echelon teams, okay? Okay. Eagles, Bills, not in that particular order. Just those are my teams. And then I'm looking at the Vikings, and they have one loss, and they have a good running game, and they just traded for Hawkinson, another catching tight end who can help them. And, you know, three personnel, tight personnel, three tight ends, 13 personnel, should I say. I'm looking at them, and I'm saying – why am I not believing in the Vikings and what I'm seeing? I'm believing the Eagles. I'm believing the Bills. I'm believing the Chiefs. I'm believing the Cowboys. Why, Baldy, am I not believing the Vikings?
1: Well, I'm with you. You know, the one loss is to the Eagles on a Monday night, and they got thumped pretty good. And in that game, the quarterback, the guy who they call Purple Eight, you know, <laughs> Kirk Cousins, uh, That Alexander Madison told me that the other day. He's Purple he <laughs> He's got swag. Okay. That's great. But that's that's – That's why you don't believe you because Kirk Cousins has been a lifetime 500 quarterback through 11 years uh, in this business right now. And that's why you hold your breath in a big spot in a playoff game. I know he's got the playoff win, you know, in New Orleans. Okay. It was a great win for the Vikings, but that's it. And so that's why you hold your breath in a big spot. Does the quarterback come through? Now, the one thing I'll say is this offense makes so much sense like Kevin O'Connell has breathed life into they they've got plays, they've got designs, they've got answers to the test in situations that I haven't seen before. So I want to I I I want to say let's put them in the upper echelon right now cuz they look better coached to me okay. than Ben Carl. It, it is bizarre that Justin Jefferson is good as he is and he's phenomenal. He, he doesn't have a touchdown catch after the first week of the season. Now you can win like they 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 were five for five in the red zone last week, you know, and they scored every time they got in the red zone. But they ran it; they they had great runs. They used Justin Jefferson as a decoy in some situations, but so there's different ways to score, and that's not a concern at this point. Although I'm sure Justin doesn't like it, and guys that have him in fantasy league doesn't like it. But I they look better coached to me, Carl, than they have, and I think Kevin O'Connell is a big part of that.
0: I agree. I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect from O'Connell. I had all these rookie head coaches kind of, you know, earmarked and where I thought they might be. Yeah. He's been the biggest surprise for me. Biggest surprise uh, with the rookie coaches.
1: Matt Brian Dable, you know, you, like. Sure. I like, you know, but I like Matt Eberflus. And um, I like what they're
0: doing. and how but, they you knew, the ball well, but you knew Dable had something. You yeah. saw the development of Josh Allen. You saw what that Bill's offense That's was true. doing. You you felt better about Dable than you did, you know, some yeah. others.
1: Well, it's just a, it's a credit. Like, if you just take Sean McVay, um, he's lost four guys in four years to head coaches. Yet, there's, we'll see what the Rams do. I've always said I played in Dallas when Landry lost Ditka. And he lost all these guys, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Dan Reeves and all. And I always felt like we never replaced those guys in Dallas. And I always felt like it's di- more difficult to replace great coaches than it is to replace great players. Like they're harder to find really good coaches that can really run a room, that can game plan, that can develop. Like I, I think it's – and that's a credit to Sean McVay. He's lost four guys. But Kevin O'Connell is the next guy. And they've they, – he's got a good – he's got a good – um He's got a good roster, but, you know, Zedaria Smith is back healthy and he's back being like what he looks like, what I'm used to seeing him look like. But that offense has really come a long ways. Now, they've been very healthy outside of Irv Smith getting hurt, and here comes Mensa trading for, you know, T.J. Hawkinson's great trade. Hawkins is a good player, really good player. He's better than Irv Smith. Like, he really is a dynamic player in a passing game, and he's more than adequate in blocking. So I think that team is going to take a step with T.J. With Hawkins at a tight end right now.
0: Baldy, great stuff. As always, guys, subscribe, like us, tell your friends about us, and make sure you're getting all the episodes in the huddle. We do it every week throughout the football season and even in the offseason because football never stops. No. Baldy, we'll talk next week. Enjoy the games, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens.
1: Yep, my, 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 my pleasure, to t- Carl. It was a lot of fun.
0: As always, as usual, guys. Hey, take care, and uh, we'll see you next week, guys, here in the huddle.